DJ and PK, it's time to talk BYU football with Darnell Dixon, columnist for the Daily Herald. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought, and that's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Darnell, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How you doing? Good. Before we get to specifics, and we've got specifics, but before we get to specifics, big picture. You're moving around town. You're talking to BYU football fans. Do you think people are pretty dialed in with realistic expectations? Are they off the charts? I can't imagine there's a lot of doom and gloom, but maybe there is with so many guys moving on. What do you think? Are people pretty well dialed in on this team? It depends on who you talk to. I mean, there's obviously a lot of BYU fans who are very optimistic. They've been burned before, and they're afraid to put too much of their their time and effort and and attention into the team. But I I think that most people realize this is going to be a very challenging year replacing the guys that left, and the schedule's tougher. Um, And and I I feel like most people are expecting in his sixth year that Kalani Sataki will have his program to the point where he can absorb some of those losses and keep the team at a a high level. Um, Does does that mean nine wins? Does that mean eight wins? Again, that depends on who you talk to. But I think last year, people are still kind of riding that wave from the success the Cougars had last year. Yeah, I'm interested to see how much of a program Kalani has developed because, you know, when you look at it, particularly last season with the softer softer schedule, you know, they should have had a pretty good season. Maybe they had a little bit better. And I think any team, if you have a confluence of a bunch of seniors and veterans, I realize Wilson wasn't a senior, but you get the point that they can have a big season. But the mark and the goal is to have consistency from year to year. Occasionally you reload a little bit, but you're able to put out a competitive product, you know, four out of five years, whatever it might be. Do you see the level of program rising to this position to where it can be competitive every year? I think this year's the ultimate test. And I, I was looking at it the other day. I, I think around I think something like 44 players had tackles last year. 22 had at least 10 um, 15 guys caught passes, 15 guys carried the ball, about a dozen offensive linemen played. I mean, the, the one, benefit, one of the benefits from playing such a, a soft schedule was a lot of guys got playing time. And that's valuable as you move forward and you try to replace some of those guys. And so the test this year is, will some of those guys, how, how many of those guys can step forward and be every down players or play 25 snaps instead of 10? I mean, there are a lot of positions where that's going to be very uh, important to follow, like defensive line, defensive backfield, some guys on the offensive line. But they did get a lot of people into the ball games. A lot of guys have experience. And one of the things Kalani Sataki said when he took over the program was he wanted to build up, um, take the opportunity to, to build up the depth and try to, to make them bigger, stronger, faster, but also deeper. And And I think that that is the effort that's been put forth. And this is a six year and, we're going to see this year if that's going to happen. I feel like there's a lot of guys that are really on the cusp of contributing in a major way. We'll see how many of those guys can step forward. So I think it's really key that on each side of the ball, you get at least one, hopefully two guys that demand a double team because they make the game easier for everybody else. The wide receiver who has to be doubled or a defensive lineman who has to be doubled, it, makes, it just makes it so much easier. Can you identify... 
the stars, or do you have somebody who you suspect will not just step up and be good, but step up, demand the double team, and make life easier for everybody else? Yeah, there's a few guys that I, I think offensively, I, you know, I saw Puka Nakua play high school football, and I don't know that I've ever seen a more dominant high school receiver or maybe even player in the state of Utah. And he was, he demanded double and triple teams, and it didn't matter. He beat them anyway. Um, that receiver group is really loaded. There's a lot of guys that are going to be able to get open, um, and, and I feel like that'll be important. Um, if they can get um, Tyler Algier, five yards of carry. Now, he had over seven last year, but that kind of, might be an anomaly just because of the schedule. But you get him to, to five yards of carry, that was going to take a lot of pressure off whoever ends up being the starting quarterback. Um, defensively, they've got some really good linebackers. I'm not sure there's anybody there that, that'll need to be doubled. Um, and, and the real question is on that defensive line, who steps up? And, and the thing about their defense, though, and I, I had a talk with Ed Lamb about this during media day, is they play a complementary style of defense, and they really play off what the offense is doing. If the offense is running up and down the field, they take a few more chances. If the offense is struggling and punting a lot, they're trying to force the other team to move down the field in, in 10 or 12 or 15 play drives. So I don't know that there's a guy on a defensive line yet that is, is going to demand any of those double teams. And we'll see who steps forward because there are a lot of guys that, that earned playing time last year and some, some guys were not healthy um, and, and they're going to get a shot. You know, like some guy like uh, Lorenzo Fautea, um, he might get an opportunity to, to step forward in his, uh, in his junior year and make a difference. Um, Tyler Batty had some good moments last year before he got hurt. Maybe he's a guy that can start putting pressure on the quarterback. But that's not really the design of the defense. Like I said, they play complementary style. So we're, we're going to see those guys uh, this week and the following weeks as we get a little opportunity to watch some practice, try to get an idea of what's going on out there. So overall, offense versus defense, if I go questions going into camp, I've got far more questions on defense. I can argue I've got questions on all three levels. We're offensively, uh, and then there's questions, you know, who will play, but there's more ready, available answers as far as who will play on offense. For instance, who's going to be the restarting receiver, receivers? Well, I, I understand that's a question, but I'm not really worried about the answers because I know that they could put quality players out there with the Nakua brothers adding to the program and the guys that they return. And so, you know, who's uh, going to compliment uh, Rex at tight end? But I feel confident there. Who's going to replace Christensen on the offensive line? Uh, I feel fairly confident there. So I guess the really only major question in my mind, and if you disagree, let me know, is that who's going to be the starting quarterback where, on defense, who are going to be the playmakers? I have more questions defensively than offensively. Yeah, that, that's, that's total sense. And, and uh, I, I look at that defense and, and what Elisa Tuiaki has done with it in his time at BYU, and he's managed to put together a pretty good um, resume of a defense that, that is pretty good. I mean, they're not, they're not overpowering. They're not going to be top 10 in the country, but top 50 generally almost every year. And so it's the style of play. It's the way that they approach the game, as I mentioned before, with the complementary defense. Um, I, I think that Chaz Ayu is an opportunity to be a really big playmaker for them. He's playing kind of a hybrid linebacker safety position. Um, I think George Udo is an amazing athlete who's still kind of learning how the game works. Um, they, they've got... Uh, a couple of transfers uh, coming in in the defensive backfield that may step up. So, again, it, it's one of those things where, where we're just going to have to see how it plays out in the first couple of weeks 
of the season to see because they they used so many guys last year. I don't know that they can they can do that this year because the games are going to be closer. They're not going to be able to play, um, you know, your third or fourth string guy ten or twelve reps in a game. So it, it's going to be on some of these guys, these new guys or guys that have a little bit of experience to step forward and take the majority of the reps and, and be effective. I know the schedule's harder this year, and maybe it's. Uh partly the fact that Arizona looks like they're in such a massive rebuild and they're the opener, but because of the way the games are distributed around the schedule as opposed to four big games and you got to go to Michigan, you know, week three or four, that kind of stuff, they've got South Florida the first. Do, do you feel like the schedule's more balanced even though obviously there's more Power 5 teams on it and because it's more balanced, it's a little more doable? Oh, for sure. And, and I think Tom Homel's done a magnificent job in making this work to the best that he can. It, you look at some of the earlier schedules and how top-heavy they were and travel-heavy and just disadvantaged to, to the BYU, but they don't even leave the state until mid-October. I mean, they, except for, obviously, the Nevada game, which is close enough. But um, I, I think that, that they've put a really nice schedule together, one that BYU can handle. But the question I'm going to have – and. You know, you look at last year's schedule, and I think there were four games that really in the fourth quarter might have been a little bit uh, uh, hard to decide, like, like it, was, it was coming down to a few plays. And they won three of those games. The one they lost was at Coastal Carolina when they had basically two days to repair. But they didn't play in a ton of close games. You would expect with this schedule there would be more games that are going to be decided in the fourth quarter. And, and as we've seen over the years in the Utah game, BYU hasn't been able to make plays at the end of games um, consistently. So that, I think, is going to be telling with this club is can they, at the end of games, make the bright plays in close games to, to win them? And, and we'll see. I mean, we know that the Utah series has been all Utah the last uh, nine times they've played, but eight of those games have been within a touchdown. So it's not as if um, BYU hasn't had opportunities. And I, I think that as Kalani matures as a coach as that program matures they should be able to win more close games and make those plays at the end and that's something we'll be watching closely this year so handicap the quarterback race handicap i'm not much for for uh uh, vegas odds uh pat you know that but (laughs) (laughs) i i think that byu is in good shape really with a quarterback room and and some people, you know, they talk to me and they, they say, well, you know, if you don't play some guy, maybe he transfers. If you're a coach, you can't think that way. You just have to prepare to win this year, and then whatever happens at the end happens. But um, I, I think that most people feel like, and, and I feel this way, Jaron Hall has the, the right combination of, of skill and athleticism and has proven himself, at least in a, in a small portion um, before he got hurt, that he can be very effective as quarterback. But so is Baylor Romney, and and I hear really good things about Jacob Conover and what he's done. So they're in a good they're in good shape. But I I think right now you'd have to follow what Jaron Hall has been doing and and make him the starter. Um, and, in fact, Aaron Roderick during the media day pretty much said if he's healthy, he's going to be difficult to beat out, and that kind of gives us, uh, us a little bit of a clue to who the, the coaches are looking at. But yeah. they're in good shape any way that they go. But I like Jaron's combination of being able to run the ball a little bit and, and his accuracy and his playmaking ability, which we saw in a small portion a couple of years ago. So what is the big question or doubt, or you have none, and he's going to be spectacular? Well, obviously with Jaron, it's, it's whether or not he can stay healthy. And, and we know he's had some concussion issues and, 
and uh, that that'll be a, a big deal. And you know, when when you're playing starting off with Division One Power Five teams, that's a little bit different than opening with Navy, which hadn't done any tackling in like three weeks. So you know, it's it's going to be Jaron's job, I think, to lose. Um, I feel like he's got some really good weapons around him, and that should be something that will help him if they can get the running game going with Tyler Algier and um, Lopini Katoa. Those two guys are very experienced. The offensive line through the first five or six guys is pretty good. They do have some, some questions to answer with depth. But if they can run the ball effectively and not expect him to step back and throw the ball 30 times a game like um, – like Zach Wilson had to, or, or did, not only had to, but that may be why you took advantage of his skills. I think he'll be fine, and, and as long as they keep him upright, um, that, that's the, the problem you have with Jeremy. He's, he's such a good playmaker and runner that he's going to put himself in positions to take some hits, and, and hopefully he'll be healthy um, after taking those hits. But BYU's in good shape regardless because they've got three good quarterbacks, I think, that, could, that can help them. It's funny with BYU's schedule, and we didn't do it as much last year, obviously, but everything was crazy last year, so we'll put that aside. But when we look at their schedule when it first comes out, we're like, oh my gosh, they need to win this game in September, or they're going to go 0-4, or 1-5, or whatever. But they haven't really done that. But even still, go and look at this schedule, and I do the same thing. <laughs> Start picking off games that they've got to win. And already, first game, if they don't beat Arizona, I'm in panic mode. They, they've, they've got to beat Arizona one way or the other. So do you look at it as far as their schedule, given what Arizona is and they've lost 12 games in a row, that, man, if they don't beat Arizona, oh, my gosh. Whereas yeah, if they beat Arizona, all right, they got that one win, and let's see what they can do right off the bat against, obviously, a front-loaded schedule, which it looks like they'll continue to have. Yeah, Arizona is a program that's obviously in a lot of transition with the new coach and, and all those losses in a row. And BYU is in a good spot to be able to, to go to Las Vegas where they're going to have a lot of fans um, and, and they should be able to pull off a victory there. If they don't, they don't have a lot of time to sit and cry about it because Utah at home is the next week. And that that's a, such a crucial game, I think, to set the tone for most of the season. I think people are expecting BYU to beat Arizona. But if they could pick up a win on September 11th against Utah, and that's a very tall task, I, I believe that, that the Utes are going to be pretty good. Um, that would be a really amazing tone for the rest of the year as they, they get through that, the rest of that schedule. And, you know, college football in, in its sense right now, you really have to, to look at it as you need to win every game. And if you don't, there's things that you got to deal with and, and you try to move forward. But um, they're just looking at Arizona. They know they have to win that one. And, and then that whole September gamut with Utah and Arizona State playing some, some good regional games with Utah State and Boise State, that's challenging. But, they, you know, the old mantra of taking it one game at a time, they, they better do that because all of these teams are capable of beating them. And BYU is not going to be in a position last year where they could just simply wear down teams that were inferior. They aren't playing many of those teams this year. They're going to be playing against teams with good quality talent, and they have to play well to win. I get that they have to take them a game at a time, but I want no part of that. I think the whole fun of it is <laughs> looking forward and trying to figure stuff out. Oh, but for I, us, for sure, yeah. But I look at October, and I think Utah State's got a huge rebuild, so I think BYU's a big favorite there. But Boise State's got a new coach. I don't know what to make of Baylor. They were really good, and then suddenly they weren't. Uh, they got to go to Baylor, and they're going to Washington State. They're home to Virginia. Most of October is a mystery to me. 
Yeah, that's for sure. And, and they do get, like you said, a couple of those games on the road. Uh, the Jeff Grimes reunion uh, in, in in Waco on October 16th. And, of course, Bronco Mendenhall coming home to Cougar Stadium, <laughs> Bill Edwards Stadium on, on October 30th with Virginia. Um, all of those teams are, are teams with lots of questions. And I, I feel like that plays into BYU's favor. But by October, we should know a lot more about those teams and a lot more about BYU and we'll be, have a better handle on that. But as, as you said, looking at that schedule right now, you know, you're, you're talking about um, three of those teams are Power 5 and one Boise State plays like a Power 5. So it's going to be challenging, but you don't know from year to year this happens. You look at the schedule and think, man, that, that schedule is crazy. Look at all those P5s. And then you see one team in the P5 that goes, you know, two and, two and 10 or something. And so you just never know until they start playing games. And, and that October is going to be, um, you know, if they get through September with a pretty decent start, October will certainly be challenging. And, and we'll find out a lot more about those teams then. So the college football world was turned upside down a couple of weeks ago now with the transition from the two powers in the Big 12 to the SEC and could trickle down to BYU. How do you see BYU fitting in and all this stuff? Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy, and I, I've made my feelings pretty well known about Texas and Oklahoma. That it, it's, it's definitely a lookout for myself kind of thing, and it comes at a time when the NCAA is, is just in a, in, in a panic because they can't control anything. Uh, they're talking about expanding the playoffs. All these other programs are suffering from the effects of COVID-19 that year where they didn't make a ton of money because they didn't have any fans in the stands. It just, it's a really tough time, I think, for college football. And, and uh, I, I don't like the fact that, that they want to move toward these super leagues and be exclusionary. We've already got a professional football league in the United States called the NFL. And we've seen over the years many, many uh, minor leagues basically fail. I'm not saying that college football would be a minor league in those same sense, but I just feel like the college football game that I love and, and have grown up watching is changing. And I don't like the changes, but in terms of BYU, I think they're in a decent spot because not everybody's happy with independence. I, I think Tom Homo totally understands that, but it's the best for BYU right now. And if there's a situation that comes up with one of the conferences where they get invited and the numbers are right, I think BYU can look at that. But if they don't make a move, then they go back to independence where they've been successful and they understand what it takes to, to be successful in that, in that arena. Um, it, it's not the best option because you're trying to get access to the playoffs and, and being an independent doesn't provide that for BYU very well. But uh, they, they, can't, they can't jump back into a Mountain West Conference situation or, or even a little 12 you know, the, the, the money's not as good and the exposure's not as good because, you know, I, I talk with, with other people about this a lot that I'm not sure that uh, overall, like the, the brethren in Salt Lake, their ideas about how BYU is successful don't always revolve around how much money the school makes or if they have access to the, the national championship. I, I feel like it's more about the exposure and, and having a, a vibrant program throughout the entire athletic department. So, I feel like BYU is in a decent spot, but it's just it's such an upheaval right now in, in the entirety of college football. You look at, at a program like Kansas, who has one of the best basketball programs in the country and one of the worst football programs. How do they play out in this? You know, with with the Big Twelve. So there's a lot of stuff going on that that I don't know have the answers to. But as far as BYU is concerned, I know Tom Homo and his staff are taking a look at every angle and and trying to find the best spot for them. But they don't have to move in a sense that, that they're not going to put themselves in a bad position. 
Darnell, we'll leave it right there. We appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on and talking a little Cougar football with us. You bet. I wasn't as enthusiastic as that Olympic wrestler uh, after winning a, a gold medal, but I tried. <laughs> That's Mensa Stock <laughs> is her last name. Yes. Oh, absolutely. man, that was crazy. Uh, <laughs> yes, and you can go look her name up. Tamara, T-A-M-Y-R-A, Mensa Stock, and her love for the U.S. is right where we need it to be. USA, USA. Yep, it's pretty sweet. Thanks, Darnell. Darnell Dixon, right, BYU football columnist for the Daily Herald, and you can read him in the Daily Herald. Dudes. Dudes. And dudettes. <laughs> I've got proof. Conclusive proof. While the, why the rivalry needs to live on. And if for both institutions... Not all you wet-noodled, uppity-ute fans who think you're past that. No, I've got conclusive proof why it's nothing but a positive for your program. And it has literally hurt him physically to hold this in until 8.30 in the morning. But for you, the 8.30 listener, what a win for you. It's next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The voice of the Baylor Bears, John Morse. There's uh, a lot of excitement with Baylor, with what's gone on with that national championship. And now Jared Butler, a member of the Utah Jazz. Just what kind of a person and what kind of player are the Jazz getting here? Fans are going to love Jared Butler. He is a first-class guy. You know on the court what he did this year. He was the Associated Press Big 12 Player of the Year. The first consensus All-American in Baylor basketball history and the uh, most outstanding player of the uh, Final Four. So on the court, that's what you're getting. But off the court, just a first-rate guy. And uh, again, your fans are going to love Jared Butler. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought you in part by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881. 385-420-7881. Or visit syringanetworks.net. Right on. All right, before you get to the point here about the rivalry has to go on, what percent of our audience do you think you need to con- kind of uh, talk into this? 25% of you fans. Five percent of Cougar fans. Okay, so most people already know that what you say is true. The rivalry should go on. It is a good thing. Yeah, but see, I wonder with that in mind, though, if you did broke down the demographics, and I have no clue on this, how many of those Ute fans are older? This is why baseball in I think twenty thirty five will, will no cease to exist. exist. Yeah, yeah because the cease. average fan is one hundred and four. They're going to shut it down. And. uh so, you know, that's all the big panic and rage uh, for people who are employed by other sports and want to down. So let's say baseball. for people under uh, 35, just to pick a number. I don't know. Yeah, people under 35, though, would those numbers change? I don't know. And if it does... 50% then, of Ute fans under then, 35. Then the number's actually right. bigger because, because the old Ute fans, they're going yeah, to die. Yeah, they're not getting any younger. No. And if you don't remember... The glory of big Plus games they in the lived 80s a hard or life, 90s. so they're probably going to die earlier. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> and so, with that in mind, you know, what is this future of the rivalry? But in my ever 
how should I word this? My constant commitment to be aware of what's going on. We watch and read a ton of stuff. So I'm flicking around last night. I think it was like 5.30, maybe 6. And I was watching, I watched some uh, uh, women's Olympic golf. Did watch the the hurdles. Gal from uh, Sydney McLaughlin from Jersey, Union Catholic. My sister went to Morris Catholic. She went to Union Catholic. Big rivals. Yeah, they're like 15 miles apart. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... And she won the race. I did watch that. Uh, but I also came across uh, College Football Live. And they had a lady as the host. I'm not sure her, who her name is. Um, and then they had uh, Pollock and Joey Galloway. Mm-hmm. And Joey Galloway looks like a million bucks at all times, man. <laughs> he just does, man. That guy. And he's got a beautiful voice. If you want to know how to be successful... Models yourself after Joey Galloway. Now, obviously, he was a player, but uh, he's taken that player and went way beyond. So they put up and they go, they're, they're going through scheduling mm-hmm. and they put up a graphic of rivalry games that we missed last season that are playing this year. Now, a large portion of this particular topic is going to be non conference because the conference rivalries got played. Alabama played Auburn. The Mississippi Mississippi State Egg Bowl game went on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if every single one of them went off, played traditional like it well, always does. Well, the SEC and ACC have four in-state rivalries. Those all went away. Uh, South Carolina plays Clemson, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Kentucky, right. Louisville, and there's somebody else I'm forgetting right now. So, so those went away. And obviously yeah. BYU-Utah didn't happen. And Notre Dame-SC. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, so they've listed all the rivalry games that weren't played last mm-hmm. year that will be played this year. So they didn't list, say, Texas, Texas A&M, because that hasn't been going on for a while. No, no, And no. won't until the SEC right. brings on the yeah. two. It was just last year right. that wasn't last played. Last year to this year. Yeah, okay. and they went in uh, Chrono- order. Chronological order? Of the dates. Mm-hmm. So number one is September 11th. Utah at BYU, and then they went down the list, mm-hmm. and then SC, you know, Notre Dame, SC, Notre blah, Dame. Blah, blah, blah. That's midseason this year. It is, because yeah. they're playing the Cougars at the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was two or three uh, games down the list, right? And so they asked Pollock and Galloway, what are you looking forward to? And they went to Pollock, and he went, I'm going with the very first one, <laughs> right off the bat. Utah, BYU. Let me tell you about this rivalry. And then they have a picture of Kyle Whittingham right there in his Utah hat. Untold publicity. Why in the crap would you give away this free publicity? It's right there. That's the selling point. We have a rivalry, and what makes this rivalry so unique is that it's only one of two in the West, maybe, that you could say is at a conference. You're going to go right there, SC Notre Dame. Huge. Has been forever, right? And then the next one is Utah-BYU. And he starts going, man, this rivalry, missed kicks, kicking a field goal three times, <laughs> storming the field five times, uh, two-point conversions to decide games, b- blocked field goals, and he's just reciting them. Right. And this is a guy, David Pollack, national media guy, who grew up in Jersey, in Jersey 
played his college football at Georgia. He's got no tie to this half of the country, let alone this state. No, Zippo. He's he's an I. I like how you combined Georgia and Jersey. That was good. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Jersey, <laughs> right? But yet he knows of the rivalry, and there they are. Kyle is pictured for a couple of minutes on the field in his Utah hat before the game with the you know cover video as they call it. And you're, you're getting run. You are getting time. national big time run. Yeah. Your recruits in California and Texas, Florida, if you're going to try and kick the door down there, anybody can see this. That's a game you can sell. You can market to recruits. And you beat them nine freaking years in a row. So that's a bonus. <laughs> yes. Who doesn't want to come and play in a game which there's 65,000 people and the entire state is geeked for it? Who doesn't want that? In addition to SC, Oregon, Washington, blah, blah, blah. We know the parameters and the playing partners in the conference. This, to me, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, this is an absolute no-brainer. Not only that, they shouldn't even take a year off. If you're a big-time program, you don't need to take a year off. You can handle both of them. Look at how USC and Stanford schedule. You can take Florida and BYU, can't you? You could. You have chosen not to. And I think you're wrong for choosing to do that. I think that's a weak bleep excuse. (laughs) It is. It almost rhymed. I like that. Weak bleep. (laughs) That could become an expression. That could even become a cliche. I think that's got legs. If you claim that you're this big time and you have this budding rivalry with USC, USC doesn't take it off. If last year would have gone on, they would have played Alabama and Notre Dame. And you like to think you're right there with SC. The conference media certainly thinks you're right there with SC. They play their you nine, two are picked first and second every year. They play their nine conference games and Notre Dame every year. And they still schedule... Big intersectional games. Decade after decade, they had they had a home and home with Auburn fifteen years ago. They've had a home and home with Ohio State, Texas. I was gonna say Texas. Yeah. Plus, they not only have their rivals, but they're the rivals of nine teams. Oh yeah, everybody gets <laughs> yes, everybody gets fired up for that. Yes. On a much bigger scale, they are the BYU back in the whack. Barry Trammell was on while you were gone in Southern California talking about all the SC Texas stuff. And he says, well, you always ask me questions. I want to ask you questions. You know, how would the Pac-12 feel about, you know, bringing in uh, four or more of these teams and, you know, divvying it up? And I said, well, I can speak for the Utes. They would hate it. <laughs> He's like, well, why? I said, well, because right now they're in the South with USC. And they get USC every other year. And they get UCLA in the off years. And fans get fired up for UCLA, but they're out of their mind for USC. And like, to suddenly be in a different division and not be playing USC and UCLA and, be, and tell hey, but the good news is you're getting Iowa State and Kansas State. No, you fans, I can speak for them on this. They are out. They love oh, the so LA schools coming to I town. Mean, you recruit there, so you're there literally yeah. every year, and you play them every year, two games, home and home, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a bonanza. Well, and I was just thinking with the headlines yesterday with the Commerce Commissioner's meeting, and it never hurts to talk, and there's lots of things on the table besides combining the two leagues. But that would be 20 teams and two Tim Dean divisions, and guess which two teams would have to go with the Midwest schools, with the Central Time Zone schools. We, we, uh, yeah. No thank you. Hello, Mountain Time Zone. There's plenty of other stuff to talk about, but... Right. No, I get your point. Not yeah. good. And your, your point is 100%. So, yeah, absolutely, man. And this this gives you some separation from all the other teams. You've got a rivalry outside of the conference. That's how big you are. Because if you have a rivalry outside your conference, that can only mean you're big time. Now I want to come up with small-time rivalries outside the conference. <laughs> all I got is TCU-SMU. <laughs> Nobody talks about that. I know. I know. But those SEC ACC games, those are a big deal, and USC Notre Dame is obviously a big deal. Get on your app, people. Disagree with me. I want to hear the truth as you see it, so I can correct you. <laughs> grab, grab your phone. That really makes people want to use the app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your take. Tell PK why he's wrong. Five percent of BYU and David fans. Pollock. Twenty-five percent of Utah fans. I don't know. Those are the numbers I just threw out. I could sure. be totally wrong on that. Nah, ballpark, it sounded pretty good. All right, we'll get to that next. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. We got David Smoke, host of Sikkim 365 Radio in Waco, Texas. He's covering Baylor and the Big 12. The commissioners are meeting. Where is this going? Plus, BYU's playing Baylor this year, so we can talk to him about that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON, on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. TJPK brought to you in part by Mountainland Supply. Remember, you can catch Hans and Scotty live from 10 to 2 and see the best local and amateur pros in the state of Utah. Battle for the championship at the Mountainland Valley View Open on August 6th at Valley View Golf Course in Layton. The good news for you and your argument that BYU and Utah need to keep playing? I'm right. That's, You're right. That's the best news. <laughs> Hold on. Fold the arms. Lean back. Soak in the sun. And, and I'm right. I don't really do that when you write as many times as I am. Gets old. The best news is the state legislature agrees with you. That game's not going anywhere. They didn't play in basketball one year, and there had to be an investigation. So that, and I played golf with Greg Hughes. That football game isn't going the anywhere. Audit. <laughs> it's like everybody at Utah, that story will be passed down. I don't know Greg Hughes is still in politics, but he was, right? And he ran for governor. Mm-hmm. And we got paired up with him in the spring down at uh, Sun River. And didn't he didn't, I kept a low, I usually do this, I keep a low profile anyway. I don't like attention drawn to myself. We were out shopping last week, and my wife we was going to get between two shirts, and she said, oh, I'll probably get this one for you. And she, uh, I said, oh, well, how come? She says, because the other one's too loud, and there's no way you're going to wear that. You don't want any attention brought to yourself ever. 
<laughs> I, I can totally hear her saying that. I'm telling you right now, all you golfers, you want to be in a foursome with these two. Not because you want to talk to PK. You want to hear from her. <laughs> She's got yeah. things to say. Mrs. K, fill me in. Quietly hilarious. I want to be That's a how I would flower. describe her. <laughs> so I didn't, dis- I didn't disclose my identity until the 16th hole. Uh, with Greg Hughes, and then I did, and then, oh, man, he had tons of stuff to say. He was a great, it was fun to play with him, but you're right about that audit and whatnot. Uh, but, yeah, obviously it's great for the state, but I think it's good for the U of, the U, of U football program. That's the thing about it. I think it's great for the, it gives if them they have a national guy, it, stuff. A national guy for, who's lived his whole life David in another Pollock, time yeah, zone, yeah. and he starts reciting all the dramatic endings to the rivalry and telling the whole country, this is the number one game you need to watch. I mean, if you let Kyle Whittingham script a conversation and pump something up, that's the kind of stuff he knows that recruits in California and high school football coaches in California and Texas are seeing that stuff, and it's getting their attention. Plus Morgan Scally's got a year. Yeah, Morgan Scally's got to fly to Texas. Huh? He's like, yeah, did you see what Pollock was saying? Morgan's a talker. You know he's going to bring that up. Mm-hmm. He's a talker and a rocker. There it is. Yock says we got two open mics. You demanded people pick up the phone, use the app, do the open mic. So here we go. Who we got, Yock? Let's go to Amber first. No one is aging out of a rivalry. That stuff is passed down. My kids make a fake spitting noise every time they see a ute anything. Go Coops. <laughs> That's good, hilarious. Amber. I want to hear that. A fake spitting noise. <laughs> That that yes. actually is good news if it's true. I don't I don't necessarily know that people are aging out of the rivalry. I wasn't saying that. I don't know. But you just you know how dramatic the games were in the nineties and two thousands and there's conference titles on the line, and that's not true anymore. So that's But yet it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because there wasn't that many games in which conference um titles were on the line. That's be- that proves this is so huge is because there isn't a whole lot, but yet it's still a massive, massive deal. Last time they played was two years ago, and Kyle Woodingham walking up that ramp with nine fingers in the air. <laughs> How many times did they beat Arizona? Now, nobody knows. I but, mean, a, a lot. But he ain't hauling up that many no. fingers. Nope, it doesn't generate that kind of emotion. It's just and check, I've walked up every ramp the that they've played home and away with Arizona. And there's no ramp for the home games, but they it's not a ramp down at uh, their stadium in Tucson, but it is like a, a pathway, and there's fans there, and he doesn't hold up any fingers, but yet he held up nine. And now this time this year, a whole heck of a lot easier. You don't have to figure out which, are you, am I dropping the thumb or am I dropping the pinky? <laughs> no, you just give me the ten, right? And he's going to do it. Go to Ryan. PK, are there really Utah fans that think we're too big time for the BYU game? Come on, man. Make it 10 in a row. Make it a 12-pack. I look forward to beating their asses every year. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here's what I'm taking away. I look forward to beating their asses every year. (laughs) 
You should look forward to it. It's a whole heck of a lot of fun. If I had 10 I straight wins. I look forward to beating their asses every year. If I had 10. That sounded like Chad Lewis, but I knew it wasn't him. <laughs> Didn't it? I would pay Chad Lewis to say that exact phrase. Didn't it sound a little like Chad Lewis? A little Lewis? bit, but I just. Chad Lewis would never utter such Of course such he wouldn't obscenities. say that, no. But in his heart, he looks forward to beating them. I'm sure he does, yeah. Although he's got connections. His brother played for Utah. Uh, but nevertheless, it's a massive rivalry. And if I, if I beat Arizona, the, the Devils beat Arizona, nine times in a row? I'd be ecstatic. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I want to know what your longest streak is against them. This gives me something to look up during the break. This well, in awesome. the 80s, the, the the rivalry was owned by the Cats. They had a streak. It sucked. <laughs> the Utes have four in a row over Arizona going for five. And literally no one knew that until I said it. <laughs> have to look that up. But everybody knows nine. And the only reason why it wouldn't be five is because they didn't play last year, right? Or did they? I don't think they did. Did they? I don't think they did. No, I don't think they did. No. Or else it would have been. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Well, you're working on four straight right now. Five is coming. Try to get that ke- try to get that going with Devil fans. All right, coming up, David Smoke's going to join us, host of Sikkim 365 Radio in Waco, Texas, covering Baylor and the Big 12. For you Ute fans, we're going to talk to him about the Big 12, Pac-12 commissioner conversation. Scheduling deal, some type of alignment, working together, how might that work? And for you Cougar fans, well, Baylor's playing. Utah, or excuse me, Baylor's playing BYU mid-season, so we got something for both Utah and BYU next with David Smoke. Stay with us. I look forward to beating their asses every year.